The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by Century 21. Fantasy, you're in the whole 6010. It's a preview Friday in the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast field. Matthew and Stefania, all three of us here and ready to roll with a big show ahead. 14 games to preview after last night's less than perfect start to week two. Lightning delay, no delay here though as we get rolling on the podcast this morning. Define perfect start. I got Chris Godwin in like six leagues. Oh, I, I thought that was a perfect start. Like the brag right there, huh? I, I have uh, I have Greg Olson in a uh, in a tight end premium league, and I started him last Scott night. Scott Fishbowl, not in the Scott Fishbowl. No. I have I have Darren Waller and Delaney Walker in Scott Fishbowl, so I'm very happy about that. Everyone mocked my when I posted my Scott Fishbowl roster. Everyone mocked my tight ends as a problem. Not anymore. Thank Apparently you very much. I think they were just, just mocking you. Dumb. Yeah, that, that might have been, that that been the case. No, no, no. I in the. Uh, Scott Barrett, my friend Scott Barrett, DFB has the DFB Invitational. So it's a, uh, whatever, it's a 12-team, 33-man roster dynasty league with Scott Barrett and Evan Silva and Graham Barfield Got and it. a lot of big names yeah. and uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I have, Gra- I have uh, Greg Olson. Started him last night about uh, against Graham Barfield. Take that, well Graham. Well done by you, yeah. Matthew Barrett. Listen, we got a lot of stuff to get to. So, Daniel, can we just start previewing? Game preview. Let's get right into it. The Chargers and the Lions. Wait, what? The Lions are going first? What? It wasn't my Who produces fault. this show. I mean, I'm just saying we're talking I'm about big topics. Kidding. The Lions have their home opener uh, this season. They host the Chargers. And we begin with the Los Angeles side, Matthew. A bunch of players are out right now. We know Hunter Henry is out for four to six weeks. Um, and so you would think that that means even more work. Can the volume even increase for Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler with a depleted group of pass catchers and offensive weapons in Los Angeles. Yeah, so no Hunter Henry. I don't expect Mike Williams to play in this game. We'll get to him in a minute here, but I think this offense is two people. I think it's the A's, right? I think it's Keenan Allen. I think it's Austin Eckler. And to your point I about like Keenan that. Allen, the A's. Should... the A's, right, yeah. baby? Yeah, exactly. Bolt up with the A's. So anyway, <laughs> I have I have Austin Eckler as a top 15 play. He's a rock-solid RB2. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends this week as a top 10 fantasy running back in his career. He's had, uh, when he's gotten 10 or more carries, which we expect him to do in this game, 4.2 yards per carry. Like he's had 10 different games with 10 or more touches. In those 10 career games, he scored 10 touchdowns. He's averaged 19.6 fantasy points per game. Give me Austin Eckler on Sunday. Now, agreed on that. We all have him as a top 13 play. Obviously, the passing game volume is so, so good and it might need to go up because Stefania, as Matthew alluded to, we don't know about Mike Williams this week. It's really strange, right? He came out with some soreness and heat made it sound like he was okay after the game, that he'd be fine. But then we find out he's not practicing. Anthony Lynn, coach of the team, says he's absolutely concerned about his status. Uh, Talking with Eric Williams, who covers the Chargers for us, NFL Nation reporter, who has a great pulse on the team. Uh, He tells me this morning he does not expect him to play. So I think all signs are pointing down for Mike Williams, but we just don't have any real information as to what's ailing him. But you said he, he came out, he said he felt fine, and then all those will find out. Are you calling Mike Williams a liar? I just want to be clear on this. I no. just want to clarify this. No, Are you I am questioning not. his authenticity? By the way, I was one of the Are ones... Are you poking holes in his story? No, listen to me. I was one of the ones who... If you were, like, promote... cross-examining him... I'm done. Move on. <laughs> what do you got? 
I promote, I was expecting him to have a really big year. So right. I, you know, if anybody wants the truth from my so boy, it him. is me. Yeah. Got maybe it. that's the problem. All right. Got for the it. Lions, the story, <laughs> the story for the Lions is we'll carry on Johnson, have a bounce back week, a player that we mm. had a lot of expectations for uh, going into this season. It wasn't a great start, kind of a weird game for them last week. But Matthew, you think he gets back on track against a run defense that I think think can be had based on what we saw against the Colts last weekend. Marlon Mack, 25 for 174 and a touchdown against these same Chargers. And so Carrion Johnson, who, you know, should get uh, a decent amount of run, not only in the run game, but also in the passing game here. I mean, think about this, right? Chargers last year allowed the fourth highest completion percentage to opposing running backs, right? The Colts didn't try that much, but they did complete all four passes they tried against the Chargers in week one. So Johnson, who round, ran 17 routes last week, should be involved in the passing game here in a, uh, in a, in a big way. I am slightly outside the top 20 here because my concern is, does he get into the end zone? We saw a little bit more CJ Anderson last week than I was, than I would have wanted hmm. as somebody who has carry on Johnson. You think about the Chargers again. Last year allowed just one touchdown run of more than five years. They tied the Bears yards, for the fewest of yeah. uh, five yards. Sorry. They, so honestly, like it's unlikely that we see a long run for a touchdown. For him to score, it's going to have to be a close in. Uh, it's going to be a close in one. And just do they give that to C.J. Anderson? So my concern with Carryon Johnson isn't workload. I think he gets a heavy workload here. I think he's a viable RB two. My concern is does he get into the end zone? I'm going to ask and answer my own question here. Is T.J. Hawkinson a must start after his big debut? The answer is yes, and here's why. If you did not add T.J. Hawkinson because you already had someone like George Kittle or Evan Ingram or Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz then it's not really a question for you, right? If you added TJ Hawkinson, it's because you had somebody who stumbled out of the gates in week one, a player that you had some hopes for and didn't necessarily deliver, whether it was OJ Howard, whether it was name some other tight end that wasn't great in week one that maybe you hoped would be great. Maybe you had Trey Burton, Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald was great. Jared Cook was whatever. So generally speaking, if you added TJ Hawkinson because you had massive worry, my answer is going to be yes, you should start him. Now, there are a couple of exceptions there. You just mentioned, like, I think Jared Cook is a reasonable conversation there, but I've got him as my top 10 tight end this week. Matthew's at 13. Stefania's at 9 overall. So here's what we saw from TJ Hawkinson. He had four catches on balls thrown 10 plus yards in the air. Like he's a big play threat already and perhaps the most feared pass catcher already on this Lions passing attack. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to go just there. Like as you mentioned, I have him just outside my top 10. Like I like Hawkinson. I believe in him uh, long term. I know they want to use him between the 20s. Look, this is the guy that was the second best tight end in fantasy last week. Here's my concern. A little bit. First off, I think this game is much slower paced than what we saw in week one, especially from the, from the Lions, right? The, I mean, the Lions, that was a game that went into overtime. I think they both teams actually want to play at a, a, a methodical pace, right? In 2018, the Chargers were the slowest operating offense. They were even slower in week one. Lions, a bottom 10 pace play last season. And they were moving pretty slow before Kyler Murray in the fourth quarter like got that going, and then they sort of had to speed it up here. So I think the Chargers are usually pretty good against the tight end. Again, last no year, Derwin James, huh? Yeah, no Derwin yeah. James. I understand yeah. that it, it hurts. So, like I said, I'm at 13. Yeah, like, but I, I'm just saying, like there are other guys that you could potentially have. I have Delaney Walker ahead of him, Mike, Mark Andrews, Vance McDonald. I have all those guys ahead of him. You know what I mean? So, like, do I believe in T.J. Hawkinson? Of course I do, but. I would not use the term must start. 
Does all right. Let's get let's get moving to the Browns and the Jets. A game, of course, being played for those that are still healthy and well enough to be there. Right here on ESPN. Midseason form. Good squirrel. There's only a but I'm. He's got like literally like two <laughs> buttons to press now. I literally, I literally have like sixty buttons to push. Uh, you big- don't. You have two buttons. You have like. We only do like a couple of drops anymore. Like we used to have a ton of drops and we've gotten away from that somehow, which is a bummer, but whatever. Um, whatever. The show's very different. Uh, but yes, like that's a drop we still use. Wrong, 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 wrong. Yeah, there you go. I wish I was a man like you. I am a girly boy. (laughs) Perfect. Baker Mayfield and the Browns traveled to New York in a game that I am calling a must win. Baker was disastrous in week one, three interceptions, two of them returned for a touchdown. Should Baker Mayfield Winston esque, very Winston esque. That was very Jameis esque of him. Well said, Matthew. Yeah. Does Baker Mayfield try he didn't to get, get nearly to... as much grief as Winston? You know what I mean? Um, I... Yeah, I mean they, they took it on the chin this past week. I think yep. the thing with Baker is that no one played well for Cleveland. This is true. A lot of various like there were a lot of people to blame, and it's not a five penalties. year, not right. a five year stretch of him turning the ball over. Wow, Stefan, you just, no, she's just, she's accurate. True. She's just speaking facts. Yeah. Wow. How about Baker Mayfield though? Let's keep the focus there. Does Baker sure. Mayfield crack your top ten going against a Jets defense that its cornerback group razor thin as well? Yeah, I think he's borderline. He's he's sort of right there. Look, we know he he's really good when he throws deep, right? Uh. From week nine on last season, he led the NFL in both touchdown passes and touchdown percentage when blitzed as well. I think this is important because we know Greg Williams loves to bring pressure. Jets uh, blitzed at 32% of the time in 2018. That was the sixth highest rate. Last week, 31%. Josh Allen kind of lit him up. You know, I mean, like had a, had a nice game there. So, yes, I expect Baker Mayfield to have a very big bounce back game against a Jets secondary that... uh that I think is over overmatched. I don't know who's right. Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. I don't know who's writing these questions, but after a poor week one for Jarvis Landry, the guy had twelve fantasy points. That's not poor. Like yeah. that's listen. I saw some poor fantasy weeks last weekend. <laughs> they were not twelve points. But I think Daniel's after, writing the questions. Okay, let's throw him under the bus. Daniel, <laughs> you're under the bus, Daniel. After a relatively, like he spent like he probably had like five hours to craft the note. He spent like four and a half hours on the on Lions. Landry. Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> on the Lions, and the rest he just sort of half-assed. So after Can I say that? A, after yeah, that well. Just just did. Did. Yeah, just after eleven point eight points in week one, would you be starting Jarvis Landry? Because we had a board bet last week, Matthew. Bravo for you. You win. Thank you very much. Blind squirrels find nuts every once in a while. Um, but Jarvis Landry, eleven point eight points last week. Is that we, a shot at Daniel? No, it's just a fact. Another fact, right? I didn't know because we have one squirrel on the show. It's Daniel. I didn't know if it was a shot. Yeah, at even Daniel. a stupid field finds a flower every once in a while. Yeah, you know there you go. Saying? That's a good Daniel, phrase too. Right? Nice. That's a good phrase. Nice. I'm okay. I'm stupid. I, t- I take that. I wear that with pride. Yeah, Anyways. Because Daniel's colorblind. And we just, sensitive about it. That's right. We just mentioned how vulnerable that Jets defense is, that secondary is specifically. Not a great slop cornerback group here, Matthew. Would you yeah. be starting Jarvis Landry in this juicy matchup? I'm as a borderline wide receiver three and four, so it sort of depends on your options. The concerns with Jarvis Landry are the same as that they were last. Look, it's a much better matchup, and I think Jarvis Landry has a nice game yeah. on Monday night. Do I think he has a great game? I think it's unlikely. You never know. Remember, it's now five straight games without more than five catches. He was targeted on just 16% of routes in week one. That's down from what he was targeted on in 2018-26. Now, nothing went right for the Browns offense, so you have to sort of throw week one out, but... I think Monday night, prime time, New York, I think this is a Beckham game. You know what I mean? So it might make some sense, right? It might make some sense. Having said that, like, I think Jarvis Landry is going to be just fine on Monday night. So I think he's a, like, 12 points is right. Like, I don't know what we project him for, but he, oh, he's projected for 11.8. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, like, 
Yeah, that's Jarvis Landry. He's just a solid wide receiver three. All right, there you go. So finally, we finally got some good news for the Jets yesterday after a morning that ended or that that started with God knows how many injury updates in a negative light. Le'Veon Bell to Twitter to tell us he's fine. Does that mean he's going to play on Monday night? No, I I think he's going to going to play. I'm not really worried about him now. They got when is Le'Veon Bell's Twitter feed ever stared stared us wrong? Hey, hey, now easy. Easy. The, the whole issue. Easy. Is, hey, what do you mean easy? Because we're not going to go into that now. We're going to talk about where he is now and what he's going to do this week. And yeah. he came out of the game with shoulder soreness. They did an MRI, which I thought was a bit extreme, but they said they were being precautionary. Sounds like they wanted to make sure that they um, crossed all the T's and dotted the I's, but came out with that negative, uh, just shoulder soreness. I would not worry about his practice restriction. Again, if you're the Jets, you want to manage the guys you have right now and save them. For when they're going to play, and he he doesn't have to play till Monday night, so I feel I feel good about his status. Okay, that's good news right there. That's good news right there, Matthew. So along those lines, Le'Veon Bell plays, but really everybody else is out. Are you nervous about this being a bus game because the Browns basically say if we can tackle twenty six, we'll be just fine? Yeah, I mean, first, I mean, look, if you have Le'Veon Bell, you're starting him. We saw what Derrick Henry did to these Browns last week. So my concern on on Le'Veon Bell wouldn't be necessarily for Monday night, just to find his point. It is season long though. Again, this is somebody who has played all 16 games once in his NFL career. One 20, time. Yeah. 2014 was the last time and the only time he's ever done it. So he's already getting MRIs. He's already, there's already concern. The fact that it came back clean, I, I would want out of the Le'Veon business, Le'Veon Bell business for a season long. Like while his value is still very, very high, I think he has a good game Monday night as well. So if you want to wait till after this week, but, um, I would, I am concerned about him season long in terms of anyone else on this team. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, Jamison Crowder, like Trevor Simeon's going to start. Uh, and my expectation is, look, Adam Gates called a very conservative game plan uh, against the Bills in week one. And my expectation is with Trevor Simeon under center, that's going to be the exact same thing that happens here. So Jamison Crowder, who again, no Quincy Inunua, not that he was heavily involved here, but I think Robbie Anderson, who's going to be shadowed by Denzel Ward um, and is going to have <laughs> Trevor Simeon under center, I think you're going to see a lot of dump offs. And so I think this offense goes through Le'Veon Bell and Jamison Crowder. I have Crowder at 25. I think he's a viable wide receiver three this week. You're banking at on, you're banking on volume with him. 17 targets last week. That certainly I sufficed, mean, right. even if it was only for 19, 99 yards. Let's get to the Chiefs and the Raiders. This game is in Oakland. Both teams undefeated. The Raiders. There you go, go, Boomer. Nice. Both teams undefeated here. Let's begin with the Chiefs in the backfield split. Matthew, I think most people would have guessed that neither Chief would make either your love or hate list uh, this week. Because like we saw both of them were productive last week. Neither one of them was dominant. But you love yourself some Damian Williams this week. I just think everyone's bailing on... Uh, I mean, he made the others receiving votes, but I think everyone's just sort of like really panicking because LaShawn McCoy had a nice game. Like, give credit where credit is due. LaShawn McCoy played well last week. Having said that, Damien Williams still basically doubled the amount of snaps that LaShawn McCoy had last week, 39 to 18. Okay. He had, he's now had five catches or more in five of his past six games, right? And then you think about this matchup with the Raiders. Andy Reid, uh, as head coach of the Chiefs, has played the Raiders 12 times. Okay. He has a rushing touchdown in 10 of those 12 games. He himself? Seven, yes, him personally. <laughs> that would be That's impressive. Correct. athletic. And 17 <laughs> total rushing scores that the Chiefs have had against Oakland in those games. And so here's a guy that's going to be on the field for about half, at least half the snaps. 
even if he, I guess my point is, is I think both these guys are viable until we see some red zone usage from LaShawn McCoy. We didn't really see it last week. He just got into the team and they, they talked about the fact that, you know, that's somewhere where he's, uh, he's still trying to get familiar. But I think both these guys are viable. I'm all in on the Chiefs scoring a lot of points here against Oakland. Uh, so yeah, give me Damian Williams in a game where the Chiefs are favored by over a touchdown and the over under is 53 and a half. Vegas is expecting a ton of points in this one. Uh, in the same way that I feel about TJ Hawkinson, part of me wonders if the Mecole Hardman decision is just don't overthink it, right? Talented player who did struggle with drops and fumbles last year, but talented player in an awesome offense who they're going to rely upon should see a bunch of targets and workloads. So I'm wondering if should I be rolling Mikkel Hardman out there right away, Matthew? Or are you going to be slow to roll and see it one time before Again, you I jump think in? Again, I, I, I'm, I'm probably I'm playing Mikkel Hardman in, in DFS tournaments, right? In deeper leagues where I, I've suddenly you know gotten some guys that are banged up, like if you had Tyreek Hill and you're in a deep league. But otherwise, mo- what I'm mostly doing with Mikkel Hardman is I am rostering him. Which, by the way, he needs to be rostered in every league. He's available in 73% of ESPN.com leagues. And so I would pick him up immediately, but I'm probably waiting him. Like I haven't, you know, I haven't like basically a borderline top 40 play this week because you just want to see it a little bit. But it is worth noting that last week after Tyreek Hill left with injury, Sammy Watkins played 46 snaps. Miko Hardman played 44. I mean, he was basically an every down player. Looked good in the preseason, six for 88 and two touchdowns over three preseason games here. Like he's going to have that Tyreek Hill role last week. I mean, you know, he's a speed guy. I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill, but Andy Reid just said, like, we think he's a talented player. That's the role he's going to be. I would prefer him to any of the other, you know, Demarcus Robinson or any of the other Chiefs guys that are there. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm cautious. I want to see it first before I'm necessarily starting him unless I'm in a deeper league. But Miko Hardman needs to be rostered in 100% of leagues. Derek Carr has been exceptional against the Chiefs in the past couple of meetings being played in Oakland. That, of course, is the case on Sunday. And, Matthew, I fear I might have to absolve you of Darren Waller responsibilities because he's playing too well too soon that sort of aligns with your liking. He and Tyra Williams both make your love list. I don't understand I don't understand that setup. What has absolved me of, like, my... What I mean, like, like I've been. Do it anymore. What do you mean I can't do it anymore? Like he's playing too well. I don't like it. You're too good. He's too good. I mean, Waller the baller. Like I've been on. I've been on this guy since like you know since since our combine show, right? So a lot of people out there trying to take victory laps on Darren Waller, and you know, listen. And it was really that, Matthew and I first at I'm the just combine. Saying, I mean, we had Greg Olson. Like credit to like it just shows you why people are like oh why do i pay attention to the offseason i'll tell you why because if you listen to our combine show where we interviewed greg olson the oakland raiders offensive coordinator you would have heard him talk about darren waller waller baller talk him up and so we've been on him ever since he was the seventh best tight end in fantasy last week 30 percent target share he played every snap this guy is big he is fast and now he's going to be in a game again with an over under of 53 and a half. Derek Carr is going to have to throw in this game to keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs. So yeah, I think it is him. And I have Tyree Williams as a top 15 play in this one. Here's a guy that got basically half of the Raiders wide receiver questions in this one. He's had 15 career games with seven or more targets. He averages over 13 fantasy points per game in those games. He's going to get at least seven targets in this one. Give me both Waller and Williams against the Chiefs. I mentioned Derek Carr could be a value in daily fantasy, which is why week one is in the books, but DraftKings isn't finished celebrating with some huge fantasy football contest. For week two of the fantasy football season, DraftKings, huge. Thank you. 
For week two of the Someone's fantasy football season, me. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, is giving new users a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit when you visit DraftKings.com slash FFF. Draft your lineup and feel the sweats like never before. Every run, throw, and catch means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with this fantasy football season. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at over $1.5 milli in prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash FFF right now. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. Plus, new users who sign up at DraftKings.com slash FFF will get a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit. That's DraftKings.com slash FFF for all new and existing users to claim your special offer only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Moving now to Eagles at Falcons Sunday night football. This game is being played in Atlanta. Looking forward to this one. But, Matthew, if I have the Eagles running backs, I'm a little bit nervous. Where do you net out with the split backfield and the expectations for those players based off what we saw in week one? A little nervous, but I will tell you, I'm on I'm on board with Miles Sanders. Okay. Like, I think this is going to be the last week that you can buy low on Miles Sanders. Interesting. Right. So listen, I have him as a top thirty play. Like so he's a flex play. There's obviously some concern because you think about how the snap sort of netted out last week against the Redskins. Thirty six for Sanders, Sproles twenty, Howard sixteen. So you know, Sproles and Howard basically combined played the same number of snaps as Sanders. So if you think about it from that standpoint, it's a little bit running back by committee. But here's a guy that had a touchdown called back, Miles Sanders, uh, because of a, a holding penalty, I believe, on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, right? Um, had a chance at getting into the end zone again. It was just tackled a, a little short of it. And here's, in essence, like you've got Darren Sproles, of course, who's an interesting sort of cheap DFS play, but... The Falcons give up receptions to running backs like they have the most in the NFL each of the last four seasons. So Miles Sanders, who's kind of the pass catching running back here, uh, you know, I mean, obviously Sproles is, but who is more versatile, I should say, than Jordan Howard. Let's leave it at that. Miles Sanders is more versatile than Jordan Howard in a game that, again, should be one of the highest scoring of the week. The over under is 51. I think Miles Sanders has a has a nice game here. I want kind of as much of this game as I can get. I think Sanders is an interesting flex play. And I will say that by the end of this year, Miles Sanders will be the Eagles running back you want. Can you do me a favor? Can you just pretend like someone in Atlanta said something really inflammatory about Deshaun Jackson? Nothing personal. Just like they called him slow or something. Because I want to incur a revenge game for yeah. Deshaun Jackson. Sure. I sure. heard I heard Jermaine Dupree said that Deshaun Jackson's slow. Do you hear that? Yeah, too, I heard no? he lost his step. That's what that's the that's the word that the Falcons Dan Quinn said he's not really Kevin worried. Kevin Herter said that about Yeah, him. I mean yeah. Dan Quinn said he's not really worried about Deshaun Jackson. Feels like he's lost his step. They feel like they can just bump him at the line of scrimmage, get him off his route easily. Okay, now that that's been established, can he blow up the statute again? Because we all have him as a top I mean, 32 play. 32 for you, 28 for Stefania and myself. Stefania, the brilliant mind that she is, ranks him at 28. You in on the Sean Jackson repeating what we saw last week? Again, it's a, it's a, it's an over under. We've heard throughout the preseason about the connection between Carson Wentz and Sean Jackson. We certainly saw it, uh, on, uh, the, in week one against my Redskins. So yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's on the turf here last year. Atlanta allowed 11 different deep touchdown passes that was tied for fifth most in the NFL. Like, you know, uh, 
they you can you can throw deep on the Falcons, and I think you're going to have to. So, look, he's not going to sneak up on on Atlanta. They're obviously going to be aware of him, and you know that's one of the reasons why we were so high on Carson Wentz coming into the season. Field is that if you if you take Deshaun Jackson out of it, you still got Alshon Jeffrey, you still got Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, you still got Miles Sanders or Sproles or Howard out of the backfield, you still got you know uh, Nelson Aguilar, JJ Arcega Whiteside, who's a nice rookie. I mean, like there's so many weapons here, uh, so it's a little boomer bust here with Deshaun Jackson. I have him just outside my top thirty. Remember, since the beginning of 2017, Deshaun Jackson has had consecutive 15 point games only once. He's very boomer bust, but I feel like early in the season with Carson Wentz. I think more boom than bust. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's a very viable, little risky, but a viable wide receiver three this week. See my Moving along here to Devontae Freeman, who uh, last week had sort of a stumble yeah. out of the gate moment, right? He gets his volume. His volume is down. wasn't great. But Stefania, you're pretty confident here. You got him as a top 12 play this week. Matthew down at 22. The projections do like Devontae Freeman, though. Yeah, I I like Devontae Freeman. I just think the whole Atlanta Falcons offense was out of sync last week. I mean, that's another situation where you could oh, say yeah. no, nobody really played well. Um, and Devontae Freeman is their guy. I mean, they got rid of Tevin Coleman. The plan was to use him uh, more. And there there's no reason that he does not exceed what he did last week. I, I like Devontae Freeman this week. All right, Devon- I, think if, I think if he falls I, forward, he exceeds what he did last look, week, right? I, I mean, I think a little, if he just literally trips and, you know, falls through the line for two yards. Like we've, we've talked about some of the Eagles' defensive issues. C.J. Mosley also potentially not playing um, in that— Oh, Jets, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah no, no, Malik Jackson, right? Malik Jackson right. with the foot injury. He's That's on IR what, now, yeah. so yes. big part of their defensive line. He's now on injured reserve is Malik Jackson. Bottom line here for this is a gut check. The, part of the reason why I'm, I'm optimistic about the Falcons is simple. It's anecdotal. I get it. But they uh, they wet, they <laughs> dribbled over their leg last week, right? Oh. Are they going to do it twice in a row? It's not what I thought you were going to say. Went to bed? No, they can do that too, maybe. Um, it's allowed, though. I, I thought think. it was a word that started with the word S, yeah. is what you were going to say. Oh, yeah, me too. No, well, they, they might have done that too. Anyways, my point is this. This is a team that has all the offensive artillery you need. They should be better offensively. If they do not win on Sunday night, on Sunday night, and or at least play a very competitive game that includes a lot of scoring, the seat is going to get very warm for a lot of people in Atlanta on the, on the roster. Like it's going to be a topic of conversation. They got to bounce back this week. Can I, uh, if I can offer just one sort of counterpoint here? Like I'm, all that makes sense, and I agree. And like if we're sitting here on Monday morning and Defonte Freeman's had two touchdowns in a monster game, would not shock me at all. I mean, again, he, talented player, talented offense. They need to get right. Again, high scoring offense uh, and a high scoring game that we expect. My only concern here is like I sort of have my eyebrow raised a little bit here. Like he basic he played one less snap than Ito Smith. And I understand that game got away from them. I, I get it. it. Game got away from them last week. I I hear you. But when I think about what the Redskins did last week, the Case Keenum threw for almost 400 yards against this Eagles secondary. And I, Malik Jackson's a loss. There's no question about it. But I feel like Matt Ryan has a huge game. I think Julio and Calvin Ridley have a huge game. I have Austin Hooper as a top 10 play. I feel like the way Atlanta attacks the Eagles is through the air. And so my concern is, is that I still think even without Malik Jackson, it's a nice front seven for the Eagles. Sure. And so is, that's, yeah. that's my concern here is that that I think the Falcons have a big game, a bounce back game here. Um, but my concern is that it's not with Devontae Freeman in a big way that it's the passing sure, game. Sure. Listen, but, but Freeman's, you know, a good pass catching running back. So they could use him here, but we've seen his usage trend down and that's, that's a concern for me. Uh, nowhere to go. I suppose 
but down for Lamar Jackson after five touchdowns in week one, but maybe you could repeat it. The Cardinals go to Baltimore. It's a tough trip to make all the way across the country to have to play the Ravens, who, of course, traditionally very good at home. Are you fading Kyler Murray in week two? I mean, this Ravens defense, Go ahead. I know it was the Dolphins, but they smothered them. They were tenacious. Yeah, I'm nervous about Kyler Murray here. Look, I love love Kyler Murray for the season, yeah. for his career. Right. I think this is a special player. I think this is going to be a fantasy-friendly offense. I'm all in on Kyler Murray for the season. I am nervous about him this week. You think about that Ravens defense. Last year, they played four games against the top three fantasy quarterbacks, right? Four different games against Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, and Ben Roethlisberger's. Yeah. Those three quarterbacks averaged just 17 fantasy points per game against Baltimore. That was a 28% dip from their 2018 right. it's average. such a different defense, though. It's, I mean, it's like the entire group's been remade. Yeah, CJ Mosley's gone. I'm Eric with Weddle's you. gone. Zedaria Smith is gone. Terrell Suggs is and gone. They, and they, re, they rebuilt Young's it. on IR. 100%. Like Jimmy Smith's yeah, out right now. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, my it reliance is, it is, is different. less about it, last year. It's more about the, the Cardinals can't protect anybody. They still can't protect Kyler. Yep. He had no rushing value last week. That is Literally correct. He had, what, two rushes, three rushes max? Through three quarters last week, he had 1.4 fantasy right. it points. It was ugly. That's what I'm worried about, is that like, just, as great I'm, as it was, that it can be suffocating on the road. If, you, if, if, you, if things don't pick up right. that, like they did in the fourth quarter last week, then it could just be an, it, one tough day of sliding I, for I, Kyler. But especially because, by the way, if the Ravens get up big, which we think they will, we think Lamar Jackson, that Ravens offense is going to have their way with that depleted secondary of the Cardinals. So then all of a sudden you become one dimensional on offense, right? And so, yeah, I mean, listen, we can talk about the fact that the Ravens have a completely different defense. It's still a good defense, I believe. Like, I mean, I think they did a nice job. I think they did a nice job of sort of replenishing, if you sure. will. And yeah. so we can talk about the different players if you want. The fact remains that's still a defense that I think is pretty good. Like, Look, I know it's the Dolphins. They did what they, they did. A good defense did what you should do against a bad offense. They completely smothered them. So we'll find out later when they to play some more real competition if the Ravens defense is for real. But I like them this week as a, I certainly like them this week at home against the Cardinals. And I think it's going to be tough sledding for Kyler Murray. Conversely, I mean, yeah, you're starting Lamar Jackson. Like if you're asking yourself, like, should I start Lamar Jackson if you threw five touchdown passes last week? Yeah. And here's what I would say is where a lot of quarterbacks that did not run the football last week have my attention. Lamar Jackson, I think, was really a game script thing. Is that like they did not need to run Lamar Jackson whatsoever? The Ravens have shown and they have made it very clear there is a willingness for Lamar Jackson to run the football. Sure. So I don't expect him to have five touchdown passes this week, but I also expect him to have. But I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he had 15 rushing attempts and two touchdown passes this week. So I think Lamar Jackson, for all but, of us, a clear cut must start this week. It'll be interesting to see because last year, look, when you can't. When you can't defend anyone, right? And again, that secondary is so depleted, as we've talked about uh, for a couple of weeks now, that what do you try to do? You blitz. You try to get to the quarterback before he can throw it. When you know if he's going to throw it, he completes it, right? So last year, Cardinals, highest blitz rate, blitz rate in the NFL, right? Over 37%. They blitzed more than anyone. Week one, they blitzed almost 48% of the time. It was the fifth highest rate in the NFL. Like Lamar Jackson, when he's blitzed last week, 9 for 10, 137 yards, four touchdowns. I mean, like, you can try to blitz him, but I don't think that works. May not be the trick. It's not going to be the trick against Lamar Jackson. We all have him as basically a top five play this week. But the pass catchers here, quickly, to put a uh, a pin in this game, Matthew, people are intrigued by Hollywood Brown. He had 148 yards and two touchdowns. People play fantasy football emotionally. I believe that Hollywood Brown will be started in a significant number of leagues this week because you you see the stat line. But is that a 
prudent move to make? <sighs> that one's a hard call to make because yeah. I get it, right? I mean, like the guy played whatever fourteen snaps. He had fourteen snaps. I mean, that's that's not a lot. Well, like the question is like so. Tell me the Ravens pass catcher I trust the most this week. It's Mark Andrews. Mark Fair. Andrews would be the Ravens pass catcher I trust the most. Okay, like again, since Lamar Jackson took over as a starter last season, and they were run heavy towards the end uh, for most of last year, but still, since Lamar Jackson took over as the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, Mark Andrews fifth in receiving yards among all tight ends. You know, like obviously had a huge game last week as well. It's a little three-headed monster at tight end for the Ravens because you see some Nick Boyle and Hayden Harst there as well. But when Mark Andrews is out there, they're throwing, he's running routes, they're looking for him. So Mark Andrews, I have as a top 10 play this week. So he's the Ravens pass catcher I, I trust the most. I think Hollywood Brown is, if I was starting a Ravens wide receiver, that'd be the guy. Like, no question. We think Lamar Jackson has a big game here, but it wouldn't shock me if Miles Boykin or Willie Sneed, you know, it, there's going to be some Mark Andrews catches balls here. Like, you know, uh, Justice Hill catches a swing pass and runs 80 yards. Like, it, so I'm just, I'm nervous. I'm not saying he is a must start. I don't, he is to Can me, I he's like, he's Deshaun Jackson is what he is. He, he, he could have a monster game in this one. He could also do nothing. Again, he played 14 snaps last week. He is week. a little bit banged up right now as well. Yes. Safari. And the thing is, I'm not surprised that he played limited snaps. This is a kid who was coming off a list Frank surgery in January that wasn't really supposed to reach his peak speed and performance until yeah. halfway through the season. The thing that I took away most from week one with Hollywood Brown was how fast he was running because after that type of injury, speed is one of the things that it's tough to get back. So in terms of when he was on the field, how he looked, I think that's your best takeaway. This week, he's on the injury report as limited, not because of his foot, but because of his hip. Yeah. So if you've got something else going on with a kid who recently had surgery, I would just say I don't necessarily expect those snap counts to go up I don't think he's in danger of missing the game, but I don't know that the total volume at work is going to go up. Just understand there's a little bit more risk with Hollywood Brown than you might have initially thought based on week one. So it's just sort of how lucky do you feel? Uh, but, you know, listen, all he needs is one play. He just he's needs one. Kinda- Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to keep things rolling with the Bears. Huge one in Denver on Sunday. The Bears 0-1 go to Denver to play the Broncos. Also 0-1. And we begin with, hey, expectations going into this season where the David Montgomery is going to be the guy, the breakout star in the Bears' backfield, even though he's we just a rookie. We certainly heard that from some people. Yes, no question. Six rushing attempts in week one during uh, that game against the Packers, in which the Bears got nothing going. We have him ranked accordingly. 35 for Matthew, 28 for me, 30 for Stefania. He actually makes your hate list this week. Yeah, I like. Here's the thing: Tariq Cohen is a slot receiver now. We've talked about this, right? Yes, I mean, yes. so and yet, even without, with, even with Tariq Cohen removed from the running back by committee, he still he still played the third less snaps. I mean, so third among the few snaps, uh, yep. Tariq Cohen played 46. Mike Davis played 38. David Montgomery played 23. So the Broncos, listen, Josh Jacobs had a couple of touchdowns, which is nice, but Broncos still allowed, you know, at the end of the get day. The Broncos allowed just 3.5 yards per carry in week one. David Montgomery, like the Bears had 15 rushing attempts in week one. David Montgomery got six of them. And then you also think about, by the way, think about Denver uh, at home in this one with their head coach, Vic Fangio. And if ever there was a guy 
that understands how to defeat Matt Nagy, how to get into Mick, uh, Mitchell Trubisky's head, how to stop this offense. It's Vic Fangio, who as the defense coordinator of the Bears last year, saw this offense every week in practice, every day in practice. And so my expectation, I don't think Trubisky has a has a particularly good game here. I think they will, even though David Montgomery is new to the team, I think he understands how Matt Nagy's mind works. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm betting on Vic Fangio and not David Montgomery, especially based on what we saw in week one. He makes me nervous. I, I'm going to need to see it from Montgomery. I'm going to see the see the workload and the opportunity before I'm all in on David Montgomery. I have him outside my top 30 for the week. Breaking out my crystal ball, I could definitely see a scenario where Mike Davis is a popular waiver ad over the next couple of weeks at some point, just because the passing game value he's going to present as the change of pace to Mike da- uh, to I, David Montgomery. And by the way, I also think that my, Montgomery, I think, will get there. Like, he's a talented player. Like, I think eventually it's going to happen for him. I just, you're asking me about week two, and... I'm nervous about him in week two. That's correct. I think I'm taking the under on his ESPN projection. Might they have one of their targets last year in free agency, Trey Burton, on Sunday, Stefania? Because he missed week one with groin right. core this is issue. Still, this seems to be still left a carryover from the surgery he had in the offseason. He really hasn't gotten back to 100%. Um, he d- obviously didn't play last Thursday night, and the opener has been limited in practice so far this week. You know, he kind of presented a cryptic message to reporters earlier this week when he says he's day-to-day hoping he'll be available Sunday. Some days are good. others Other days are absolutely not good. That kind of back and forth does not inspire a lot of confidence. Even if he were suddenly to become active, I'd be staying away from him until we had proof that he could be out there and make it through a full game. And right now, I don't think it's appearing likely that he'll even play. They, they claim the tight end off of waivers this week right. from the Redskins. Stolen from your Redskins. That's ridiculous. Uh, tells you Listen, kind of where... If it's right. a guy that can't make the Redskins, I'm not sure you want him. But yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, the point just being like, point. you know, depth yeah. could be an issue yes. right now in uh, Chicago, especially if Burton's going to miss time this week again. Absolutely. And by and, the way, I'm... I, I, a little bit of a red flag uh, on Tariq Cohen, who ran so many routes last week. But I have to wonder, as Anthony Miller gets healthier, do we see that much usage from Tariq Cohen? So just something to sort of right keep an eye on the there. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah, just um, interesting to see. The Bears neutralized Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, which I think is a better quarterback and a better group of overall skill players compared to the Broncos. Yeah. Will they do the same to Joe Flacco and the Broncos? And along those lines, is there any Bronco you feel comfortable starting this week? Because if I have the chance, I am sitting any Bronco that I have in my roster. I agree. We got Philip Lindsay ranked. I mean, do we the need to go 30. through these guys? Like, Freeman, I mean, I'm just telling you, no, like, seriously, no, seriously. Philip Lindsay Fager outside Broncos. the top thirty. Fager Broncos. Emmanuel Sanders outside the top thirty as well. Cortland Sutton outside the top forty. Stay away from the Broncos. That Bears defense is very. Very good. The Jaguars and the Texans, this game is being played in Houston. I think there is a chance for some cult hero level stuff going on right now with Gardner Minshew. He's got a mustache. He's goofy. He's eccentric. He's Gardner Minshew the second, even though there is no Gardner Minshew the first. The dude has planted his flag as like that quarterback that everybody wants to root for. But his wide receivers are what we care about for fantasy football. Is there a Jaguars wide receiver that you are starting with confidence after three of them? Chris Conley, DJ Shark, and of course, D.D. Westbrook all had notable games in week one. So the question you asked me is, is there a Jaguars wide receiver I'm starting with confidence? Mm, Yeah. And so I would say, no, there's not a Jaguars wide receiver that I'm starting with confidence. Is there a Jaguars wide receiver that I'm willing to start? And yes, that's D.D. Westbrook, who I have at 32 uh, for, for the week. So, you know, high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three. Look, over his last five games is a guy that's averaging 7.6 targets a game. 
Texans last year really struggled against the slot, eighth most slot receptions allowed. Having said that, there's one thing to come in to a game where there's no tape on you and you're, you know, you're, you're trailing big and you just got to start throwing, which is what happened with Gardner Minshew against the Chiefs. I'm a little more concerned against the Texans here on the road. I, it's, I want to see it first. I want to see it first. And again, we're in a, in a week two where you're, you're probably not stuck starting whoever yet. Like it's not a bye week, right? There's plentiful options out there. So. Yeah, I mean, if I had to start one, D.D. Westbrook would be the guy. Oh, so I but I need guy. to see it with D.J. Shark, D.J. Shark, and Chris Conley. As we well. all have D.D. Westbrook ranked as a wide receiver four. D.J. Shark and Chris Conley are dart throws right now, depending on your confidence. One more log in the fire for D.D. Westbrook. You mentioned this Texans and their struggles against the slot. They cut their starting slot quarterback this <laughs> yeah. week, Aaron Colvin, who he got like, burned bad last week. Tough week <sighs> for Aaron Colvin, who now is bad. looking for work elsewhere. For the Texans, we love Deshaun Watson. Hope he stays upright. But I think the question really is, what do you do with this backfield? Because although Duke Johnson did play nearly double the snaps of Carlos Hyde last week, 39-20, yeah. to 20, Hyde actually ran pretty well. He actually yeah, had uh, the greatest percentage of his carries last week, went for five or more yards. I believe the minimum was 10 carries in that statistic. So when he got his opportunities, he ran hard. He even invoked the Zeke, which is, you know, they're both Ohio State football running backs, the feed, feed Carlos Hyde. I feel like feed Zeke rolls off the tongue a little bit better than feed Carlos Hyde. I mean, in fairness, Carlos Hyde now has 11 straight games without a touchdown. (laughs) And so it's a little bit like, you know, you're on your fifth team in three years, dude. Like, you know, maybe not... uh, it's a little different than the guy that just got paid $90 million. Totally. A I would little say different. This is like a little I different category. Still, I still believe in Duke Johnson more, uh, if I have, yep. if I have to, cause I, I think this is one of those backfields where there actually might be a lot of people that roster both of them. I also think that Carlos Hyde looked better than I expected him to last week. And it's at least possible that in the right game script, he could fall into the end zone twice and have 75 rushing yards in a given week, right? And uh, I'm yeah, not I'm sure looking this at is our one of those weeks. There on the, I'm looking at our rankings there on the screen for those that are watching on, Twitter or Facebook or YouTube, our ESPN YouTube channel or the ESPN app, many of the places that you can get us live every day, 10 a.m. Eastern. But I have him at 43. I'm I'm the highest among all of us, so I'm, sure, I'm amazed that there I are weeks where all, that could be the case. But yeah. it's the Jaguars who are very good defensively, despite what they showed last week against. Yeah, Kansas I would State. I would agree here. So Duke Johnson, who ran 18 routes last week to Carlos Hyde seven, I agree with you. Field Carlos Hyde looked a lot better than I expected and roster worthy, but. In a game in which my expectation is that they're going to have to throw to move the ball, uh, and especially when you think about how good the corners are for Jacksonville, you could see some dump-offs to Duke Johnson. I have Duke Johnson as a viable flex play this week. Just a couple quick notes on Texans who are banged up. Just People are wondering. Deshaun Watson took all those hits and was on the injury report this week, but Bill O'Brien said, you know, just normal bumps and bruises. We saw him go down with the back issue. Obviously, he was sore this week, but getting normal treatment DeAndre Hopkins on the injury report because of his ribs. But remember this guy who played all 16 games because they managed him well. So when you see him limited in practice, don't automatically worry. They do that to get him to Sundays. And then Kiki Hudy, full participant. There's a chance that we see him for his debut this week. Who knows? But just something to be aware of. All right, Colts and Titans. This game is being played in Tennessee. The Titans are kind of riding high right now after that big, big win over the Browns in week one. T.Y. Hilton was like, yo, I don't go irrelevant because Andrew Luck retired. He's my best friend, but maybe his new best friend is Jacoby Brissett, Matthew. Can he give you a repeat performance after a two-tutty performance in week one? Kenny, of course he can. He's T.Y. Hilton. He's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. He's a guy that, you know, has a chance to take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. Can he? Yes. Do I think he will? 
I think it's unlikely. I would lean more towards unlikely than likely in this one. He's played 14 career games against the Titans. He's had under 10 points in nine of them. Mm. Titans have seemed to seem to really have his number and credit the Titans who defensively looked awesome last week against the Browns. Like some of that was the Browns imploding on themselves, but sometimes a defense forces you to do that. And so tighten up, you know, a home game here, the home opener for Tennessee. Uh, I think he is a low end wide receiver too this week. They went more run heavy than I thought. And especially on the road at Tennessee, I think you see more of that. They wanted, it seemed like they wanted Jacoby Brissett in kind of game manager mode. They didn't really take a lot of deep shots. They ran heavily. They ran with Marlon Mack a lot. And that's what I think you see here in terms of T.Y. Hilton. I don't know that you see amazing volume here. Look, again, when they throw, he's going to be the number one option. So there's always a chance. But uh, so I have him, again, like as a low end at wide receiver two this week. So quick thing on T.Y. Hilton for me. Four games, what it would take. Four consistent games. Not two touchdown games, but like four games with 70 or more receiving yards or a touchdown from T.Y. Hilton. For me to get to the point where I say, I don't even fret. Like, if I have yeah. another option, I am still playing T.Y. Hilton. I'm not sure it's going to take four games for me to get that far up to speed with Derrick Henry because he looked great last week. Looked awesome. He, he ran really over, around, through, even caught the ball against the Browns. I mean, we all have a top 15 play, Matthew. I mean, is he set it and forget at this point? Or is he, like, at least for this week, you have to play Derrick Henry, right? You have I mean, to. If you have him, maybe you got him as a value because uh, people were a little bit nervous in the preseason. But I would think, generally speaking, yeah. he's got to crank your I'm still your not 100% here. convinced on Derrick Henry for the season. He'll have a couple but, of ugly weeks, right? But he looked awesome and again this is you know we talked about this one of the concerns with Derrick Henry is he does not really used in the passing game despite the 70 yard receiving touchdown he had last week which is sort of nutty but in games in which the Titans are uh, losing last year in games in which the Titans lost last year he averages seven fantasy points but when they're winning and they're grinding it out Derrick Henry's awesome Titans are a three-point favorite this game they expect to be uh, winning and or at least competitive in this game. I think Derrick Henry gets a heavy workload here, and he's a nice play in Week 2. Quietly important game for me is the Seahawks going to Pittsburgh. If the Seahawks yeah. win this game, they go to 2-0 and with a great road win. The Steelers lose 0-2. Watch out there. But let's begin in Seattle. Big game for Pittsburgh. This is similar to the, similar to Atlanta. This is a look-in-the-mirror, gut-check kind of game. It's four teams. Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Chicago, Cleveland must win in week two or else there's going to be some serious questions come Monday morning. Uh, yep. DK Metcalf. And my Redskins, of course. Super Bowl, you know, potential Super Bowl candidates point. by Redskins. Point. They don't want to go to 0-2. I'm going to ask you about DK Metcalf in a week, about yeah. what, uh, in, in a bit, about whether you trust him after a nice week one. But this ties into Tyler Lockett, Stefania. He's been limited on the injury report. Yeah, he's got a back issue. And I reached out to Brady Henderson, who covers the team for us, and said Name he, drop. watching him move around in practice – the limited part that they're able to see, he doesn't really look like he's restricted, but it's often hard to read the tea leaves and everyone in Seattle, notably their coach, is often very optimistic about the health of their players. Yeah. But I would say the fact he's practicing is encouraging, but he may not be 100%. Okay, so let's say he does play, though, Matthew. DK and I think, he, by the way, if he's active, I think it's a monster game. I mean, you just sort of think about the Steelers and how much they struggle against slot receivers. They always put linebackers on slot receivers. I mean, listen, the Patriots just— you're not, say, you're not nervous about what they did last week to the Patriots passing game? Huh? Yeah, 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 you're not nervous about that one? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, right? I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, the Steelers— Philip Dorsett did not bring a single—did not break a single tackle last week. Now, notably, he did not need to because no. he was so wide open that no Correct. one was within 20 yards of him. Exactly. I mean, like, and I think— 
Thirsty Kyle, what was the stat on on slot receivers? Where where did the Steelers rank last year? It was something like they give it the most slot receptions or, you know, top five or something like that. They're brutal. I mean, just we always start your slot receivers against the Pittsburgh Steelers here. So Tyler Lockett, who um should have a huge game here, especially because, by the way, I'm high on the Steelers. Like, I think the Steelers offense has a really good game here. I mean, Andy Dalton threw 400 yards against the Seahawks yeah, defense. I mean, so, had, so sure. again, like, I think this is a high scoring game here. The over under is at 46 and a half, and I actually think that's low. I would probably take the over on that, but I'll just say, so I think it's a high scoring game. I think Seattle's going to have to throw against, uh, Pittsburgh. And so when they throw, they're going to throw to Tyler Lockett. So love me some Tyler Lockett again, assuming he is active in this one. All right. So how about Big Ben then? So Big Ben, after a, a, a bad, bad road opener, goes back home where he is very, very comfortable. Do you trust Big Ben? And by extension, Matthew, and, and, how about and to that point, just real quickly, before we get into Big Ben, because I know you mentioned DK Metcalf, so anyone who's listening is like, hey, he promised DK Metcalf. I know he had the nice game last week. I still, I want to be in, I'm still waiting to see it one more time. The Seahawks I'm trusting this week, assuming Lockett is active. Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson. And and Russell Wilson, obviously. Uh, one, two, three. I agree. Big Ben and Vince McDonald, Matthew, both guys who struggled last week. Now, Vince McDonald's probably less about him, more about you know who's throwing him the football. Yeah. Um, but Big Ben, can he bounce back? He has traditionally been much, much better at home. I think Ben has a big game here. Mm-hmm. Again, I, this is I think this is sort of a gut check game. I think you know, embarrassed on national television, the, the Patriots just had their way. Ben played bad. The whole Steelers offense played bad. So now, back at home, where um, uh, off of that thing. Thirsty Kyle found this one, and I thought this was interesting. Ben Roethlisberger's best eight career fantasy games have all come at home. And a lot of times they've come after a bad loss, right? So um, I think I think Ben like bounces back in a big, big way here. Remember the Seahawks last year allowed a 69.9 completion percentage on nice. the road. That was fifth worst in the NFL. They struggle on the road here again like that. Andy Dalton just threw for 400 yards on the road at Seattle. And now Seattle's got to travel cross country to Pittsburgh. Yeah, Big Ben's going to have a big game here. And I'll tell you somebody else who I think has a big game, a nice bounce back game. That's Vance McDonald. You're in. You think Vance, he bounces I'm, back? I'm doing the Vance dance. I'm wearing my Vance pants. Look, <laughs> again, Dalton, you think about what Dalton did last week uh, against the Seahawks. He completed 9 of 10 passes, 93 yards against the Seahawks. So that was Tyler Eifert and C.J. Uzoma combined. But Vance McDonald, who was specifically targeted, I felt like by Bill Belichick, like they tried to take him out and he didn't do anything until junk time. I think Vance McDonald has a nice bounce back game here. I expect him to be very much a part of what the Steelers do against Seattle. Vikings and Packers, this game is in Green Bay. Nice spot here for Green Bay after a big win on the road in Chicago. Ten days off after that to get ready for this game against Minnesota. It's weird. You drafted Aaron Rodgers with high expectations, and yet a second straight week, Matthew, where I'm advising people, and you are too. Bench Aaron Rodgers. He made the hate list, which is weird for me. But like Mike Zimmer seems to have his number right, does, and yeah. just he really so under twenty points in eight of his last nine games against the Vikings. Four of the last five healthy matchups against the Vikings. Remember, he got hurt, like you know, when he when he missed time with a shoulder. That was against the Vikings. But four of his last five healthy matchups against Minnesota. He's thrown one touchdown pass or fewer. Right. So I mean, he has really struggled. He's he bugaboos in the first. He, his his two sort of like the, the the two biggest deterrents to Aaron Rodgers are the Packers and the uh, the Bears and the Vikings. He gets them right out of the gate. So yeah. 
we're okay with the like, Aaron Rodgers being more than fine. We still They're love fine. Aaron Rodgers. Of course. But coming out of the gates might be a good week to be considering some of the other quarterbacks who are available. There's a bit of a concern here, especially because, by the way, and you know, credit the Bears defense for being part of this, but that offense looked out of sync. Remember, it's a it's a new yeah, offense. They yeah. want to, you know that Matt Lafleur is installing, and so there's going to be some growing pains there. Uh, and so, and they also, by the way, it feels like at least if the first if what we've heard out of the preseason and what we saw in the first game is an indication, they want to run a little bit more. So I, I don't know. I think you're going to see low passing volume here from the Packers because, especially by the way, Packers have a good defense. The the, the over under on this game is 44. Like I think this is a fairly low scoring kind of. You know, grind it out game, grind it out divisional matchup between two rivals, two good defenses. So Rodgers isn't going to have to air it out either to to win this game. And so the Packers, who are three point favorites, we both have Aaron Rodgers outside our top 15. Look at this. We have three people that all the exact same ranking for Aaron Jones, 23, 23 and 23 all the way across the board makes the hate list. Again, you just mentioned, I think. Basically, take what we said about Aaron Rodgers and recycle it for Aaron Jones. What we saw last week was, A, if you face a good defense, it's going to be difficult to get a lot of push. By the way, the Packers might not have perhaps the best left tackle in football in David Bakhtiari. He's been on the injury report. That could cause him to shuffle their line a little bit. B, when the Packers are trying to either play from behind or pick the tempo up or in gotta-have-it third-down situations, Jamal Williams plays. It's just difficult right now, game script-wise, to envision a day where Aaron Jones goes for 25 touches, 130 yards, touchdown or no touchdown. I think that this would be a week where you know he's a flex option for us only, even though we all like the ability of Aaron Jones. Free Aaron Jones. Free him. Free Aaron Jones. Stephon They're also not using him in the passing game. That's what, yeah, weird. Yeah. I mean, like, it, uh, free just, Aaron uh, Jones. One more thing. Stephon Diggs, obviously, part of his performance last week was function of the offense but sure. people were nervous because he went in questionable with the hamstring off the injury report good news there for stefan Diggs. we get to the 49ers and Bengals. some of us have uh digs in the war room league and had faced chris godwin last night and need stefan Diggs to have a big game Diggsy, uh, i'm already down i'm already down in the war room. 49ers at Bengals. this game is being played in cincinnati stefania of course no tevin coleman that's tough no, he's gonna be out with this high ankle sprain for multiple weeks so i think this week is a good litmus test of how they're gonna divvy up the work with their running backs i and we we have matt Breida here he's obviously the one that we're looking at as the starter but i still think it's gonna be a split workload um, I think he had 15 carries last week. Didn't get a lot out of them all, but uh, I think Matt Breed is still going to be the number one guy, but Rasheem Mostert, there'll be plenty of him. Interesting and you might see some Jeffrey Wilson Jr. Might. We'll see if he gets promoted mm-hmm. to the active roster by Saturday at 4 yes. p.m. Eastern time. Matthew, weirdly, there's a 49er that makes the love list running back, and it's not Matt Breida. You actually is is am I reading this correctly? Raheem Mostert makes your love list. Well, listen, other receiving votes. He made others receiving votes. Like Got he's projected okay. for six point seven points, and I, what in essence what the love and hate what love and hate is about. And I always say this: it's like it's basically I take our ESPN projections, which are done by Mike Clay, and he does a great job. So it's it's a little <laughs> bit in a weird way. It's it's kind of me versus Mike in the sense that you know I'm I'm looking at all the projections that Mike Mike that Mike makes, and I'm basically saying like here's one where I think he's off. You know what I mean? And it's it, you know, and it's it's nothing against Mike. Obviously, he's got to project everyone, and I'm sort of cherry picking guys that I like. But he projected Raheem Mostert for six point seven points. I'm taking the over here because I think this is much more of a split. I don't think they want Matt Breida to carry the load. This is a guy that left the game last week with an injury. We've seen this so many times with Breida. Like he's running great, he gets banged up, he leaves the game. Like I think this is a a, a split. And you just heard Stefania, who covers the you know who who follows the Forty ers obviously insanely closely and knows them very very well. So. 
Yeah, Raheem Mostert, who you know has a decent matchup here against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think it's a heavy heavy workload for both these guys here on the road at Cincinnati. Cal Shannon, I think, wants to involve his running backs here, try to take the crowd out of it. Jimmy Garoppolo did not look great last week, so I think they want to be heavy on their run game and try to take some pressure off the passing game here, which is still candidly in flux. Yeah, give me some Raheem Mostert as a certainly somebody that you could roster in a deeper league, um, you know, maybe in a DFS thing. But yes, I, I'm just I'm taking the over on six point seven points for Raheem Mostert. Another running back question mark is, of course, Joe Mixon Stefania. I do not have him ranked right now. Yeah. To you, and I if think you you're do, the smart one. okay, tell us more about what, well, what you I, could I had foresee. A, I had him Sunday. ranked because early on there was, you know, they they were just very sort of non-committal, I guess I would say. And so I like to see what's the player going to do during the week. He had the ankle injury. We obviously saw Giovanni Bernard's work go up after uh, Mixon was hurt. Uh, had an MRI on that right ankle, which came back negative. But now you look at two consecutive days of not practicing, Wednesday and Thursday. That's certainly not encouraging going into the weekend. And here's my point. Even if when you see a guy with this kind of injury, who's a running back, even if he were to do, let's say, limited work today and you were he, he's not going to be 100% on the weekend. He's not going to get the bulk of the work. Why would they have brought Giovanni Bernard in and given him the extension if they didn't expect him to pick up the slack when they needed to? It's week two. So I, I don't think it's encouraging that he even takes the field, but I would stay away. There were just two games last year in which Joe Mixon did not play and Giovanni Bernard did play. In those two games, running back six. So we have some evidence that if and when Joe Mixon is out, Giovanni Bernard can be a competent player. I've got he, him at running back seventeen for this week. With I no Mixon ranking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's. I think that's right. By the way, I think he's easily a top twenty play. We've seen this before. When Giovanni Bernard gets work, he's productive, right? And so, you know, whether it was backing up Jeremy Hill or or Joe Mixon, when when he's been the guy, he's always been very productive. And so, if Joe Mixon were to miss this game, maybe you see some Travion Williams, um, you know, the the rookie from Texas A and M who they Giggum. drafted. Gigum love Travion, but. Uh, I will say that, yeah, Giovanni Bernard would easily be a top 20 back. And if you have Joe Mixon, hopefully you have Giovanni Bernard. I said this word a lot going into the week one is yeah. I want to see as it's an observational week for us, right? We're going to see what, what, what works, what does not work, what surprised us, what maybe we did not see coming at all. One of those things would be John Ross's value and 170 air yards last week. That was most amongst wide receivers in the NFL in week one, Matthew. I don't know that he's earned my trust implicitly that he has to be in my lineups, but he reminds me of Hollywood Brown. He reminds me of Terry McLaurin. Here are his players that, like, I actually think the range of outcomes is fairly narrow here. It's either crazy, like 158 yards and two touchdowns, or it's like a day that you regret having him in your lineup entirely. You know what? John Ross is a guy that, and we talked about this uh, earlier in the week, right, after in the Monday recap, right? So. John Ross, maybe some some players take longer than others, and he's dealt with health issues throughout his Major. early NFL career. I was going to say the second most encouraging thing to come out of the game was that he was not on the injury report because of a hamstring issue this week. That was like yeah. literally what I was looking for. This is a guy that was that was taken in the top ten overall of the NFL draft and was you know highly thought of coming out of college. So has that first round talent, that first round pedigree. And has seemingly had a nose for the end zone field. He's played eight games in his career without AJ Green active. He's got seven touchdowns in those eight games. And so sometimes it was like one catch for one touchdown, but seems to have a, a nose for the end zone and feels like at least, you know, we have one game of sample, but feels a little bit like if you want to, you know, Zach Taylor, um, you know, running kind of a McVay-esque offense feels like John Ross is kind of the Brandon Cooks, if you will, 
of the of that offense. Interesting. I like that comparison right there. Yeah, yeah plenty so, of speed as well for both of those players. Just I'm just encouraged in general by what the Bengals did offensively in week they, one. They looked and great in the preseason. They they did, and kudos to Zach Taylor and the offensive staff there. We'll see hopefully if it continue at home against the 49ers. But deeper leagues, Andy Dalton is very much two quarterback viable. And you know, as you're sitting here, as you're like, if you've got Cam Newton, you're like, oh boy. Jameis Winston had another bad game last night. Like, if you're looking around and like most of the decent quarterbacks in your league are gone, like, let's see what happens this week. But I think Andy Dalton could actually be a reasonably viable top fifteen ish fantasy quarterback this week this year, like a, a viable two quarterback league guy. Uh the Bills go back to MetLife Stadium where they play the Giants after beating the Jets there last week. Josh Allen cracks my top ten. Stefan is top eight. Matthew, you make he makes your love list. You got him at twelve. A lot of positive signs that we saw in that second half from Josh Allen of week one. Five rushing touchdowns in his last five games. A rushing touchdown or at least 100 rushing yards in six of his last seven. At least 16 fantasy points in six of his last seven. And oh, by the way, now he gets the Giants. Right. Who, the Giants, I mean, the Giants are awful, right? I mean, like Dak just completely, completely tore them to shreds. You think about the, the, the Giants who were bottom three in the NFL last year in sacks. And their defensive line is worse than it was last year, right? They can't get pressure on the quarterback here. And so you're going to give Josh Allen time to chuck it down deep or to run. Yeah. Give me some Josh Allen here. So honestly, like the Bills are the road team and they're favored. Yeah. One and a half point favorites are the Bills. And again, after beating the Jets there last week, apparently they're comfortable inside MetLife Stadium. Devin Singletary sort of cemented his value last week, I think, in some ways. He is the clear-cut number one back in Buffalo. He had more than two times the snaps of Frank Gore, and TJ Yeldon played just two snaps in total. They did not run the ball much early on in this game last week, Matthew, but should Singletary be locked into your flex spot for a while now? I think he's a very viable flex play here. We all have him basically as a top 25 play, the running back position. I was really encouraged not only by the usage, and not only by what I saw, just from the eye test. Kid's a talented player. Like sure, you, yeah. you see what Buffalo saw from this kid out of FAU, wh- why they were comfortable releasing LaShawn McCoy. Uh, but what I was really encouraged, other than just the eye test, they involved him in the passing game because we didn't think that was coming initially because he wasn't involved in the passing game in college that much. Caught five balls yeah. in this one. And so you get the, you get the usage. You talked about the snaps. You talk about the passing game usage. And then you get a matchup with the New York Giants who last year allowed the fifth most rushing touchdowns, who, you know, you know, let Zeke run all over him, you know, Zeke who'd been there three days. Like, I, it's a bad defense. I'm sorry. The Giants are a bad defense, and so running is going to be obviously a part of what Buffalo wants to do, especially when you have a mobile quarterback like Josh Allen. We've seen this before. When you have mobile quarterbacks, it is hard to focus on stopping the running back. Uh, after a big week one, John Brown finds room is for all of us as a wide receiver for Matthew and I a bit more optimistic than Stefania. Remember, 10 targets last week. 10 targets, 123 yards, a touchdown, got him involved in the passing game down the field as well. Cole Beasley is sick. He missed mm-hmm. practice on Thursday. My yeah. sense is it'll be back on the field for Sunday, but John Brown certainly has an excellent chance to lead the Bills in receiving in most weeks. I just want to see it sustained because we've seen this before where sure. he's been seen you know, glimpses. the third yep. best game of his career. You know, is that really some? Is that going to be John Brown going forward, or is but, that just opportunity? I, I think it's opportunity. I mean, John Brown has John Brown when he was with the Cardinals had a thousand yards and seven touchdowns in a season last year before the Ravens went all run heavy with Lamar Jackson with Joe Flacco as his quarterback. Joe Flacco 
John Brown was basically a top 20 wide receiver. He was like kind of borderline there. I think I want to say wide receiver 22 or something. Thirsty Kyle can keep me honest on that one, but it was something like that. I mean, like he was very productive last year with Joe Flacco. And so now he gets to an offense here where he's the number one guy. Where he's healthy, Stefania, because I know you've talked about him a lot in terms of his health. Right, but, and and that's part of the sustainability. Yeah. Sure, yeah. but healthy right now, and so going to an offense that's perfect for him. I mean, a deep ball threat, a guy that averages over 15 yards per catch for his career, going with Josh Allen, who loves to chuck it deep. Strong-armed Josh Allen, like, I'm in on Smokey Brown. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Stefania, do we think he'll play on Sunday? Because if not, seriously, Daniel Dopp is going to travel down and play <laughs> wide receiver for the Giants. I know. I, I think they're hopeful, but today, today is the tell. Look, he played 68 of 69 offensive snaps in week one. We did not know there was a problem. And as a reminder, when it comes to concussions, sometimes players will report symptoms after the game or even the subsequent day. So we heard on, I believe it was the day after the game, that he had entered into the concussion protocol. We was, thought it might be mild. Sounds like it's not. Stop. <laughs> stop your nonsense. He was jogging on Wednesday. He worked on the side field on Thursday. And those are parts of the normal progression as you're moving through the protocol. So if he gets out in the practice field, even if it's limited, if there's enough that they can have him cleared by the independent uh, neurotrauma consultant, then potentially he's available. But today will be a big day. Low end flex consideration for us if Shepard does play. Let's if, keep... he, if he doesn't, what's the over under on targets for Evan Ingram? I tweeted I... yesterday it's forty seven. <laughs> right. I think you said your model. My, my model low. said my model pushed pushed out fifty three, <laughs> but it's somewhere in there. You've had a couple of faults in your model so far this first <laughs> season, so it can't be as trusted as much as mine can. The Cowboys play the Redskins. By the way, though, my memory, not pre- my pretty good. Thirsty Kyle throws up on the screen. Wide receiver 22, so I got that right. John Brown was wide receiver 22 last year with Joe Flacco in terms of total points. Cowboys at Redskins. This game is being played in D.C. Michael Gallup had a massive week. Seven catches, 109, 120, I'm sorry, 158 yards last week for the Cowboys. 40, 40, and 42 are our ranks for Michael Gallup. Are we too low on him? Do you, you remember when, um, do you remember sometimes, like, I feel like it, you've seen this in, uh, I want to say it was Blazing Saddles, but it's, it's, you know, you've seen it a lot, like, when, um, or maybe Monte Python, where you, like, you put two coconuts together to indicate somebody galloping, you know, okay. makes it sound like a horse galloping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if Michael Gallup came out with, like, two <laughs> coconuts, you know, and, like, just, like he just walked in, like just like That's a, a good little idea first right, touchdown just, dance. Saying, I like just, that. Or something like that, or just like that. Yeah, he's galloping. Maybe he gallops as a touchdown like? pass. It's yeah, really something like well, when you're doing the, the watching when you're doing video. the um, the, the coconuts. <laughs> That's a gal- you yeah. know the. Uh-huh. But that yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say it doesn't work quite it's as like well when you this. just pound your hands together. All right, there you go. That yeah, worked. That was good. rhythm. That was good right there. That was good. You need to do. Yeah, but how would coconuts even get there? Great question. Well, so, well okay. he'd hide them under the, the like the like Joe Horn with a cell phone. He would oh. hide them under the thing, and then he'd pull them out, and then like, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking an African thing. swallow would bring it, but uh, obviously. So, right, that's another way that's to do it. That's another option That's well. another way to do it. Are we too it, low yeah. on him, though, Matthew? We've got him as I like the idea of the NFL's Hunger Games, though. What? Are we too low on Michael Gallup at wide receiver 40? We might be. We absolutely might be. I, I mean, like... Redskins, I mean, like, as anyone who has Deshaun Jackson knows, Redskins certainly struggle against the deep ball here. Dak looked awesome. Like, as a Redskins fan, I hate to admit it, but Dak looks awesome. Kellen Moore, like, called a great game there. Dak and Amari Cooper, like, unbelievable, right? I mean, so Michael Gallup, who has uh, had a touchdown or at least seven or more targets in six of his past seven, again, seven catches for under nine yards through six weeks last season, week one, seven for 158. I mean... Michael Gallup was all that in a bag of chips. I, I have we a might bet be, I want to propose. Yeah, what do you got? Okay, so in this actually just not, it goes against my rankings, but I feel like playing with fire right now. Michael Gallup, 
Terry McLaurin, both in this game this week. Yeah. I've got McLaurin ranked ahead of Michael Gallup. You have McLaurin ranked quite a bit ahead of Michael Gallup. But YOLO, I say Michael Gallup has more fantasy points than Terry McLaurin in week two. I really like Michael Gallup this week, but I will take that bet. I say Terry McLaurin has more fantasy points than Michael Gallup. Put it on the board! Put it on the board! Put it on the board! There we go. Pretty good right there. Uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, Chris Thompson, Figured to be very accurate. Thursday Kyle, just by the way, I mentioned NFL Hunger Games. Field, you think Field Yates would win it? No, I think Field wins the board bet. Field wouldn't do bad in the Hunger Games either, though. He, I think, um, I think Field would not do well I at all. Not do well. Like, yeah. Field would be immediately one of the first people you don't think he's too like smart for that? He would wake right? up after the first day and he'd be like, my shirt is wrinkly. What do I do, guys? I don't <laughs> yeah. know what to do. See, but then he turns right. full port. And, and then he's just, he's waiting for like one of the birds to bring him an iron. Right. And a tide stick. He's trying yeah. to like Aaron take Donald. all the leaves and Aaron sticks Donald and like make them right? all into a nice little thing for his bed. And then you don't think he could get like some alliance and sweet talk people and have the whole team on his bed? Are you saying Hunger Games of like NFL players, of actual NFL players, Aaron Donald's right up there. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, but if you're telling me like... Um, NFL media? If you're, yeah, NFL media, like, yeah, or ESPN media, oh. right then, yeah, I mean, like, you're killed immediately. Because you're like, you're good looking and young, and we'd be like, oh, he's a threat. Like, I would last forever. Because people are like, harmless? that guy, yeah, they're like harmless. Like, that guy can't survive in the wildness. Like, he's going to die by eating the wrong berry First or something all, like I that. That guy's going to get eaten by a bear. He can't outrun one of those animals. So, like, I I would just last forever because, like, I would, like, no, you no one would. Forever oh, my God. By the way, he, I just want <laughs> <kidding me? laughs> to point out yeah. that Kyle does not watch movies. So I'm like, how is he going on and on about Hunger Games when I swear he's never seen a movie? Remember, I had to do book Yay. report on Star Wars. I made him do and a book says, report on Star Wars. He puts it up on the screen. I don't watch movies to find you. Marisa was a fan, and I'm a fan of her. That sounds like a guy who's uh, about to get married. That does sound like a guy Very about to be married. Sweet. Appreciate that, Stefania. Definitely doesn't sound like a guy who's been married for a long time. It's definitely a guy that's about <laughs> to be married. Before we move on, Stefania, just can you just give us the update on what we learned about Darius Geis after meeting with James Andrews yesterday? Yeah, so Darius Geis underwent an arthroscopic procedure, and I actually think it's really interesting because came out and we just heard that he was you know in a, the, the timetable has not been specified by the team here's what i would say we know he went in with a meniscal injury so there are basically two choices when you go in with a meniscus you can sort of trim it up clean it up um, and then get back about your business or you can actually choose to repair it if they believe the repair is viable but you have to protect the knee for a long time afterwards. In other words, it's usually going into multiple months before you return from a repair. The fact that the team expects to have Darius Geis back in the not-too-distant future suggests to me that it was just a cleanup type of procedure. But I will say this. If you have a medial meniscus, usually you hear about those, you're like two to four weeks. When you have a lateral meniscus, longer to recover from. Mm. So you're sort of hearing these longer timetables. So you think it's a lateral meniscus? I suspect it's a lateral meniscus that was probably cleaned up a little longer to recover from. So don't automatically assume, oh, it's going to just be a bounce back. And here's the other thing I'd say. Mm. If you didn't repair it, it wasn't repairable. It wasn't that type of injury. It makes me a little more nervous about his future globally because we know that you get joint breakdown when you have that type of injury. Now you got a guy who had an ACL in one knee and a meniscal injury in another and I just, it makes me sad for him because he's still such a young guy. But can he be productive this season? I believe so at some point. Okay. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it breaks my heart because, you know, you guys know I love Darius Geis. Uh, but I will say this. Um, Stefania did 
Stefania was like, I am caught. She was nervous about Darius Geis for these reasons coming into the season. She was worried it's going to be too much too soon. Now, that's not what happened here. It's just sort of bad luck, but just sort of know, bad luck. But, just, um, you know, he, he, it, it's, it is what it is, right? Yeah. And you make the best of it and he's still young. So he's got that. And you hope that he really sticks to his rehab and gives himself the best chance to get on the field this year. Four to six weeks doesn't, I mean, it's not great, but at least I'm hanging on to him. I'm not dropping him just yet. Field. So. Yeah. And real quickly, if I can just talk about this, I do think among the running backs that will replace him against the Cowboys, it's Adrian Peterson, obviously, and Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson's the more interesting guy to me. Totally agree. Yeah. Ten targets last week, led the team in targets, obviously has. And catches. Seven catches, yeah. Has a, uh, a top 15 PPR scoring season under his belt. Adrian Peterson, respect for the career, but it's going to take, I mean, it's going to take a 25-carry, 100-plus-yard effort for him to be a better play than Chris Thompson in a lot of weeks. Yeah, and, you know, without Trent Williams on that offensive line, I think that's going to be tough. You saw how how much Darius Geis and the entire run game struggled against the Eagles last week here. Cowboys a five-point favorite, and that might be too low. So, yeah, again, if they get down big or even just they're down, Chris Thompson is the passing down back here. Since the beginning of last year, Cowboys allow the second-highest completion percentage to opposing running backs as well. So, yeah, I think Chris Thompson is actually flex-worthy this week in a PPR league, a 12-team PPR league, something like that. couple of games to bring us home, of course, the Saints and the Ram, a Rams, a rematch of last year's NFC Championship Before game. Before we move on, I know we went a little bit long on this game. We'll go quicker on some other ones. But just very quickly, I want to talk about why I like Terry McLaurin. This is okay. a guy, I mean, like, they're going to have to throw. They're going to have to throw deep. And here's a guy that played over 90% of the snaps. Like, he is locked in as their number one guy. Sure. He's a he's a very good route runner here. McLaurin needs to be rostered in 100% of leagues. So I it's one of the reasons why. Listen, Gallup is great and better quarterback and better offense and everything like that. But, look, Terry McLaurin had the long touchdown and, and candidly should have had a second one if Keenum had hit him in stride. So I, I'm very bullish on Terry McLaurin, and that is not my Redskins fandom talking. couple of games to bring us on home. First, the NFC Championship rematch between the Saints and the Rams. The game is being played in Los Angeles. Drew Brees on the road has struggled of late. Matthew, you and I would say bench him. Stefania has got him to top 10 play still. But what make the case for benching Drew Brees this weekend. Look, I mean, again, like you look at his career – Home road splits, right? So he has struggled when he has been away from, uh, from the Superdome, right? And he, this is going to be outdoors, right? Since week 14 of last season, the uh, last, sorry, since week 14 of last year, the Rams were a top 10 defense in terms of limiting yards per catch after the reception, which is also something that the Saints tend to count on, right? Whether it's dump offs to Kamara, whether it's Ted Ginn, not his actual name, uh, you know, getting him the ball in space, Michael Thomas, obviously, as well. And so, look, I mean, I think they want to run the ball here. The, you know, the Rams are a very good defense since the start of last year. They're the 12th best passing defense in the NFL. And so you think about Drew Brees' home road splits and their, they're pretty brutal, right? I, I don't know. Like for me, Drew Brees on the road in this game outdoors is somebody that I am fading and have outside my top ten. Latavius Murray uh, last week was outsnapped in the red zone seven to three by Alvin Kamara. He had just eight touches in week one, but I think this is a player to keep in mind going forward. I think it's going to be one of those guys that when we get into the thick of bye weeks. Will wind up having a bunch of value in deeper leagues because we saw that although it was a smaller sample size last week, he still has some juice behind a very good offensive line. Jared Goff makes Matthews yeah. loveless this week, so if you were playing a quarterback in this game, you feel better about Jared Goff. Sort of has the inverse, right? He is better on the at home than he is on the road, which is not 
that uncommon for a lot of quarterbacks. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger, amongst others, who play better when they're playing in their home confines. Jared Goff makes your love list this week. Last season at home, he was the number one quarterback in fantasy. Okay, So in home games, Goff actually averaged more yards per attempt, had a higher touchdown rate, had a lower interception rate, and threw deep more often than Patrick Mahomes. Just to give you an idea of how good he is when he has been at home. Again, uh, going up against the Saints, we expect this to be a high-scoring game. The over-under uh, opened at 53.5 points. And so Jared Goff, I feel like at home, gets back on track. This is going to be a little bit of a little bit of a track meet here, which I know that you're like, well, you just said you don't like Drew Brees here. I think it's a big Camara game, and I think it's a big Latavius Murray on the New Orleans side of the ball here. But I like Brandon Cooks to get back involved here as well. Again, we saw what Deshaun Watson did last week against the Saints. Like, you can throw deep on New Orleans, which is one of the reasons why I think you see a bounce back from Brandon Cooks. Uh, Todd Gurley, I think, again, a player of the week to watch. He was fine last week. 97 rushing yards is fine. He did not find the end zone. Malcolm Brown found it twice, but... 51 to 19 was the snap differential. Todd Gurley at 51, 19 for Malcolm Brown. Last week, though, in the red zone, it was six for Malcolm Brown, three for Todd Gurley. I was just going to say, Lindsay Theory has been on this from the beginning, and she talked about this at our Fantasy Summit, but talking to her at training camp and watching, if you look at what she's been reporting, obviously she covers the Rams for us, and I saw it. I was only in camp for two days, but I saw this exact simulation play out in terms of what they were doing in practice. And it was Malcolm Brown in the red zone over and over again. And I feel like this is actually playing out the way that they took it through the summer. Sean McVay, in talking after the game this week, sort of said that they're going to continue with the similar plan. I mean, he's very much talking up Todd Gurley and how great he thought he looked. And to me, Todd Gurley had moments, especially later, when he looked good running the ball, and that's what we expected. But it still has he still has to be on the field in the situations where there's an opportunity for him to score in order to make him as valuable. And I don't necessarily see that changing. Look, it's not right now. Look, I wasn't at Rams camp, and Lindsay Theory does a great job for us. The one thing I will just say, though, is if you sort of look at this, Malcolm Brown handled all of the running back work for three of the 11 drives the Rams had on Sunday. Gurley got 15 of the 16 running back touches on the other eight drives. So you look at what Malcolm Brown did in terms of his touchdowns. He Cam Newton like fumbled. They they get the ball like at the 10 yard line. The Rams get the ball. Malcolm Brown comes in. They score on that play. Then the other one that they score, the other drive that they go down and score on a touchdown was a Malcolm Brown drive. When Todd Gurley was in the game and the drive that Todd Gurley was in, and they went down and drove and and scored. They just they threw for a touchdown pass. And so my belief, and I can be wrong on this. Right. And I do think Malcolm Brown's a good runner in space. And I do think they like him, you know, down near the goal line. They trust him down there. But I do believe that I think it was sort of bad luck or good luck, depending on whether you're a Brown guy or a girly guy, that in essence, basically, when they got in close, it happened to be a Malcolm Brown drive that that I believe it was just sort of fluky that Malcolm Brown was in the game when it called for a running thing. I will say this. Maybe I'm dead wrong on this. I think Todd Gurley gets in the end zone this week. I'm not. I, I'm not I, saying he won't. I'm not saying he's going to be removed every time. I, I just said that the way this was set up shouldn't have come as a total surprise. Okay, let's move along to the. But, but I mean, people are freaking out about whether Todd Gurley is going to be pulled at the goal line all the time. And what I'm saying is, no. What I this is what I th- think happens. This is just pure speculation, but based on what we saw in Week One, I think Malcolm Brown gets two to three series a game 
whether it's pre-scripted or not. But I just think they're just like they want to give, to, as Stefania said throughout the preseason, they want to manage Todd Gurley's workload. And that is one of the ways you do it. Like you give him a couple of series off. And so I think it's going to be Malcolm Brown, not Daryl Henderson, uh, that gets those series. And if they get in close, he'll get it. But I don't think he's going to I don't think he's suddenly going to get vultured. I don't think this is a James Devlin situation all of a sudden where they where Todd Gurley gets them down to the 10 and all of a sudden they pull him. And here comes Malcolm Brown. Last game for us here is the Patriots going to Miami to play the Dolphins. First, a bit of news. It comes from Adam Schefter. He reports that Antonio Brown, as of this point, will not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list prior to this game. The NFL probably was not, would not be inclined to do so without having the chance to either meet with Antonio Brown or his accuser. It, we believe Antonio Brown will play on Sunday. We all have him ranked that if he plays, you most likely will have him in your fantasy lineup. The question for this game, I think, is rather simple. Is there a Patriot that you're not comfortable starting, Matthew? And is there a Dolphin that you are comfortable starting? There's not one Dolphin that I'm comfortable starting. Okay, that part's easy then. Yeah, I mean, like, could Kenyon Drake do something against them? Of course he could. And if I had to pick one, that would be the guy that I would pick. But I am as a, you know, low-end running back three, high-end running back four. Like, you're just hoping for junk time with Kenyon Drake. Uh, But, yeah. Otherwise, no, I think you're starting all your Patriots. If there was one guy that I would have a little bit of pause about, it might be Josh Gordon just because of does Antonio Brown being active take a decent amount of snaps. But I think there's probably enough volume and enough fantasy goodness to go around like we saw it with not only did Gordon have a good game, but Philip Dorsett last week. So, yeah, I mean, so maybe you're not starting Philip Dorsett or Rex Burkhead, but any of the obvious Patriots. You're starting. Don't think this. Yeah, Don't the get line cute. right now is ni- is 19 points in the Patriots' favor. So Vegas is forecasting one of those games where maybe every Patriot gets into the end zone against a Dolphins team that right now is in a full-on rebuild. Are you taking the over or the under on 19, Field? Um, I think it'll be more than that. Over. What about you, Matthew? That's such a huge line. It's a huge line. The only reason I... Th- the I, They certainly have the talent to do it. The only reason I would take the under there is that because the the Dolphins are coached by Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea is their offensive coordinator, both of whom are longtime Patriots assistants who worked for Bill Belichick, I could see Bill maybe not running up the score on his former coworkers. That'd be the only thing. I'm going over. Stefania, what do you got? Oh, as far as the over under, I'm I'm not. Ta- I, I think it's right about right, or I take the under. Okay, Daniel, how about you? I'm taking the over. I'm with okay. you. Yeah, Danny, I, I think Bill man. Belichick puts his foot on on the Dolphins' throat and just doesn't let up until the game's over. Tom, All right, well, uh, good Tom stuff. Maybe right. I mean, it, it would be cold, but that <laughs> fantasy yeah. football now, 10 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN two this Sunday, 10 to one, getting you updated with all of the latest. In the meantime, Stefania will have her injury blog and plenty of updates on Saturday. Matthew has a new. Uh, Fantasy love, show hate. coming out, love hate edition. Always fantasy show watch. on ESPN plus fantasy show on ESPN plus is uh, up. We have a Friday show answering all the week two questions. And we also have love hate. The love hate uh, edition of the fantasy show is up now as well. All on ESPN plus and new uh, week two edition of love hate is out there uh, along with uh, details about the superhero league. So uh, lots of uh, lots of very famous play- people that have been in superhero league, uh, superhero movies, uh, playing for charity. So you can read all about that as well. And if you want to check out the league, you can do as well. the The link to check out the league is in the article. So check that out. Love hate on ESPN.com. I'm a company man. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Happy birthday, to Aaron Waller. Peace out. He's a fantasy guru.
not even trying. Award-winning creations, like his news or noise segment, are reasons we all love the cut of his jib. Country fast and strong, bordering away again in Matthew Berryville. Searching for a field shoe in a pile of junk. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, the chocolate lab? And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding in Fort Pillow. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance.